Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth. As we continue to study the book of Jeremiah, we are in Jeremiah chapter 32, right about the middle of the chapter, verse number 26. Jeremiah, of course, is in prison. We know that. And he's had this strange request in prison. He's had the opportunity uh, opportunity uh, to buy property. And we've talked about this. And Jeremiah buys this property that's already occupied by the Babylonians. But God is using this step of faith, putting his money where his, where his mouth is, to testify to those that have seen the evidence, the, the title deed and the legal, all, all the legal proceedings. Uh, God is using this to show them that Jeremiah's message is a bona fide message. I'm willing to put my money where my prophecy is, that this land will indeed be a good investment and God's people will indeed again re-inhabit it and this will perpetuate my family and its legacy and there will be a place of planting and growing and harvesting and a place to shepherd sheep and all of it. So this is, God is using this. And Jeremiah has now just prayed this prayer. Lord, I I understand it, but I don't really understand it and help my unbelief. Uh, Sometimes that's our predicament, right? We believe the word of God, but when it comes down to acting upon it, Lord, you got to help me because I'm struggling here. And God is certainly well able to calm the fears of his children, and to increase our faith. Look at verse number 26. As God answers uh, the prayer of Jeremiah, then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? We love that verse, and we've quoted that verse, and certainly that verse has multiple applications but really, why is God saying that here? What is this verse? What does this verse mean in context? And, and the context is Jeremiah. I know that you're flagging a bit in your faith, and I know you made this purchase. And there's a part of you that feels as if you've made a bad investment. And here you are in prison, and your nation, in essence, is in prison because you're surrounded by the Babylonians. But just remember that I am God, and there's nothing too hard for me. And everything that you're kind of worried about, I'm going to bring it all to pass. I have made a promise. This too shall pass. And as big and as bad as the Babylonians seem, and as and as uh, helpless uh, as this situation appears to be, I am God, and I will bring blessing, and I will bring restoration. And that's really what the rest of the chapter is about. So in verses 27 through, oh my, uh, the next 10 or so verses, God says, 
my judgment upon this city is justified. So don't don't misunderstand. I I that what's about to happen in my allowing the city to be taken by the Babylonians is part of my plan. And that this does not mean that I'm not powerful. It is my power that has allowed this to happen. And I am, I have chosen Babylon as a tool in this process. They won't get by. I'll deal with them. I'm going to, uh, they will pay for their insolence and, and their uh, attack against my people. But ultimately, I am in charge. Look at verse number 28. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will give this city under the hand of the Chaldeans, under the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he shall take it. See that I will give it. It's not Nebuchadnezzar taking it by his power. It's me relinquishing it. I have the power, said the Lord. Look at verse 29. And the Chaldeans that fight against this city shall come and set fire on the city, burn it with the houses upon whose roofs they have poured out drink offerings unto Baal and unto other gods to provoke me to anger. The children of Israel and the children of Judah have only done evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands. So so the idea here is, God, I have been long-suffering. I have put up with and put up with, but they have not repented. And their continual disobedience and their persistence in idolatry has been a provocation to me. For this city hath been to me as a provocation of mine anger and of my fury from the day that they built it even unto this day that I should remove it from, that I should remove it from before my face. What is God doing? God is justifying to Jeremiah, not that he needs to, not that that God has to explain himself, but God is again showing that this is not a whimsical application of God's anger. God is not just getting mad in a New York second, like a microwave and heating up and, and lightning bolting his people. No, God has been patient and kind and long-suffering and has given multiple chances. This is the inevitable end of a persistently evil people. Verse number 33, they have turned unto me the back, not the face. God's people have turned around. They've turned their back to me. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive my instruction. Now, it is not I who am turning my back upon them. It is they who have turned their back upon me. I have offered my instruction. I have taught them. I have been merciful to them. A lot of times when we look at God's judgment, we kind of frame it as, well, God's getting upset and he's just not giving any kind of opportunity for God's people to repent. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Uh, this ver- these verses of God's judgment must always be framed within the larger context of God's mercy. Verse number 34, they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name to defile it. No, the very place that I have established as my meeting point, 
that I have condescended to earth. I have condescended to and made myself available to my people through my temple, through my holy place, through the Ark of the Covenant. In that very house, they are worshiping false gods. They are setting up their abominations. Uh, they are uh, they are flouting my mercy and my willingness to come and meet with them. Verse number 35, they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not. Neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. So what is God saying? God is saying they have not become increasingly good over the years, but they become increasingly debaucherous in their behavior insofar that they've allowed even child sacrifice to take place unto their false gods. This is not something that would ever enter my mind. This is not something I would ever require uh, as worship toward me. See what happens when people turn their back on God then they only become worse and worse. They become more and more immoral. They become more and more evil to the point where they're willing to even sacrifice their own children. God said, this was not in my mind. This is in the minds of those that have turned their back on all that is good and right and holy. They have turned their back on the word of God. And that's always the testimony of a society that rejects God. They become increasingly immoral. That's always the testimony of a people that rejects God. They begin to follow their own heart and their own mind. And God says, I give them over unto that. And they become a people that are just lost and undone. That's the story of Romans chapter one. Look at verse number 36. And now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, whereof ye say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whither I have driven them in mine anger, and in my fury, and in great wrath, and I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. Remember, that was Jeremiah's concern. When Jeremiah came to God and said, God, I don't get all of this, and I'm buying this property now, and I'm in prison, and my, my, my city is surrounded, and it just looks like it's all over. So God now for these last 10 verses has said, it's not over, but what I'm about to do in the short term is justified. My people are not listening. They've not listened to my word. They've not listened to my repeated warnings. You know that, Jeremiah. You have been the mouthpiece of many of those warnings. But rest assured that the same God that is powerful enough to control the very armies of Babylon is the God that's powerful enough to neutralize Babylon and to bring those people home one day. And I will regather them. Yes, there is a necessary lesson that must be learned. Yes, there is judgment that will have to take place in the interim, but there's coming a day when I, the same power, the same strength, the same God that allowed the judgment will bring the restoration. The God that is powerful in judgment, 
is the God that is powerful in restoration. Is there anything too hard for God? Of course, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is absolutely nothing. God can do it, and God did do it in restoring his people. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about that restoration next episode, but we're all done for today. So I hope that helps. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.